Boyce Watkins from Your Black World and the Black Business School. Um, I want to say hello, hello, hello. Um, put your uh, hashtag B1 in the chat if you're black first. Uh, also, welcome to DrBoyceTV.com. This is the home for intelligent black people. So if you're not black and intelligent, you probably want to get the fuck out. Uh, these conversations will definitely offend you if you uh, are not okay with having your thinking challenged. And believe me, that that's what I end up doing. Not so much deliberately all the time. It just it just happens that way. Uh, so anyway, uh, shout out the city that you're from. Also, I'd like to see what city you guys are from. And uh, and let, let's just get it cracking. So last night I was up and uh, for some reason, sometimes God just tells me what to say. God just puts stuff in my brain. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why it's there. It's just there. And I and I live with it. I act on it. I believe in it and I trust it. And uh, for some reason, I suddenly gained a lot of clarity. Like people, people have been giving me like some, you know, interesting feedback, uh, which makes sense for my my really outspoken position about uh, this election and Democrats and Republicans and all this other stuff. Um, you know, I don't know about you all, but I, I've seen a lot of stuff that uh, really makes me very uncomfortable about the election. A lot of things that uh, don't sit well with my spirit. A lot of things that kind of bother me a little bit. And, uh, and, and, and I, and I haven't had a problem talking about it. You know, I know I've lost some friends because of it. Um, and I've mentioned to you guys that I'm not real. If you, if you, if, if you're not my friend anymore because of, 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 you know, Republican democratic politics, then that means you were never my friend in the first place. So let me, um, let me do something here. My computer looks like it's freezing a little bit. All right. So, um, I just thought that I would, I, I just decided yesterday to articulate something that, um, I've, I've spoken on, but I hadn't spoken on it with that same level of clarity. And uh, and so let me go ahead and just break it down for you. Um, it has to do with uh, why the Democratic Party offends me as a black man. Uh, now, I'll give you a little bit of background and context. You know, I grew up as a Democrat. Um, I remember going way back as a kid. You know, I remember hoping the Democrats would win the election. And and uh, when they didn't win, I would, I would be sad or whatever. And I, I really thought that that was a big deal. And and um, and and then I got older and as I got older and I got wiser about certain things, and I started really thinking about problems in the black community. And I started thinking about, you know, problems that actually have solutions versus problems where you just pretend like you're trying to solve them. Um, I learned that there's just a difference there. There's a difference in terms of uh, problems that really get solved and problems that where you get shitted on and, and you know, and you get shitted on because people are feeding you a bunch of bullshit. And, and so, um, so, you know, so I, I, I decided, I said, you know what, um, I'm going to go ahead and lay out just literally 22. I, I didn't pick 22. I just said, I, I think I should be clear on why the Democratic Party offends me, you know, why it doesn't make me comfortable anymore, why I don't feel like I have a place in that party. And, uh, and who knows, maybe somebody will listen and maybe somebody can gain something from the discussion uh, but it probably won't happen. I'm sure they'll just, you know, they, they'll do what they do. They try to oppress black men and get mad at you and call you a Trump supporter and, you know, and all this other stuff, because the ultimate goal is to keep the black man quiet, not to have him thinking and talking and stuff. Right. So let me go ahead and um, and just lay it out. I'm just going to lay it out in an, as, as honest of a way as I possibly can. And uh, and, and we'll just kind of get it cracking. Um, give me a give me a yes or no, by the way. It, I mean, Yes or no? Yes or no? Um, do you also feel that there are things about the Democratic Party that don't just 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 don't sit well with your values as a black person? Am I alone? Give me a yes or no. 
Uh, yes, if you feel like there are some issues. No, if you feel like the Democratic Party is great and wonderful and good for black folks. And that's what it is. Uh, either way, I'm not going to shame you or chastise you for your opinion. Um, I think that the goal really is to figure out what, you know, what our opinions are going to be as black people and how we can make the right decisions, you know, across the board. Okay. So I see some yeses from Raymond and Sister Vet and Christopher, et cetera. I see you in there. Um, I, my computer's acting real crazy. So I can't even, I can't, I can't even see you guys on the screen anymore. I don't know why this stupid thing is acting like this, but, but that's okay. We'll work it out. All right. So let me just kind of break down this list. I, I put it on my Facebook page and also my Instagram of uh, the real voice Watkins, uh, put it up there too. Um, but I, I, I figured that I owed you an explanation in terms of what uh, what I was thinking when I wrote this list. So let me um, just read it point by point. Any, any points that come to mind where I want to explain it further, I will. Of the other points, I won't. It's literally 22 different points I laid out. So here are the reasons I don't I do not as a black man feel that the Democratic Party is for me. Number one, um, I'm not into LGBT issues. You can love who you want. Uh, but that's your business. That's not my business. I, I don't care who you're having sex with. Um, I don't need you putting it in my face. I don't need you talking to my kids about it. Um, I need you to just be you and I'm going to be me. And that's just what it's going to be. Uh, if I decide I'm watching something on TV and uh, like I was watching Lovecraft Country and they had some pretty interesting scenes, I'll just say that um, I didn't want to look at that. And and I'm not and, and I'm not interested in you telling you labeling me or calling me a dirty name. You know, you're homophobic. You're this, this and this just because I don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. No differently from the way, um, uh, you know, a a mom wouldn't want her child to see a man pull out his penis in a a TV show. I just didn't want to see it. Um, Number two, uh, abortion. Abortion really makes me uncomfortable uh, because it really feels like we just killed a baby and they seem to want to kill black babies the most. Um, I do believe the stories and conversations about Margaret Sanger I think that that's an issue that they have yet to really deal with. I think that it took them forever to really even acknowledge that Margaret Sanger was a racist whose goal was black extermination. Um, I I participated. I gave uh, a young lady a ride to an abortion clinic and it made me sick to my stomach that I even participated even on a microscopic level in a process that was that really felt to me very uncomfortable, uh, disgusting, demonic almost. I, I just I can't do this. You know, because I, I have, you know, my girls have had babies. You know, my my uh, my daughter had a couple kids. My 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 goddaughter is going to have a baby. My my sister in law is about to have a baby. And when they're pregnant, I don't see those babies as just little blobs in their stomach. I see them as people. And so abortion doesn't sit well with me. It does I'm not I'm not one that's going to go out and fight anybody about it or tell you you can't do it. It's just I don't want any parts in it. And I'm not going to talk about an abortion like it's not a big deal. It's a very big deal. I mean, you are ending a life. And so you got to think that through. It's not as simple as just getting a procedure or, or just, you know, uh, what does it call it? Um, you know, health, health care. It's not just basic health care. It's literally terminating a person's life. That's how I feel. But it's my right to feel that way. And that's what it is. Third, um, you know, the liberals get all real caught up in building a wall with Mexico. Like that's the end of the world. I don't give a fuck about building a wall in Mexico. I, I just don't give a fuck. I don't care. I'm not Mexican. Stop telling me that uh, Trump building a wall is the same as being racist. No, it's not. There's a difference between a black person and a Mexican. It doesn't mean that Mexicans don't deserve rights. Uh, Mexican people should fight for that, right? If you're Mexican and that offends you, then that's your fight. That's not my fight. 
Um, I get tired of liberals pulling me into their fights. Don't pull me into your damn fight. Fight your own damn fight. Um, so, so building the wall of Mexico, I, I, I don't give a shit. It does not matter. Also, I have no issue with closed borders because uh, as Powernomics and Dr. Claude Anderson teaches, immigration was always used to water down uh, black power, to water down the black vote, to water down black economics, uh, jo jobs, all opportunities, resources. They can't even give you reparations because now they're talking about trying to do all this stuff for illegal immigrants. So they simply took the money they spend on illegal immigrants and gave that money to black people for reparations. We would be doing well. We'd be able to reconcile the issues that happen in this country. But you can't take care of the issues in this country because you're taking care of people from other countries. I'm not a fan of any of that. And I'm not going to let you shame me into thinking different. Uh, next, um, I see the Me Too movement as a threat to the safety of black men who can be accused of anything by anyone and end up being raped in prison for the next 20 years because somebody decided to tell a lie. As a black man, I have seen black people uh, get falsely accused uh, of things. I have seen uh, black men, I've seen brothers uh, due to a false accusation that wasn't clearly proven uh, where they were thrown in front of a kangaroo court uh, where justice was not served. Uh, they go to prison, they get beaten, they get raped, they come home with AIDS, they come home with mental illness. And these are our fathers. These are our husbands. These are the leaders in our community. Um, these You've destroyed some of our most valuable assets. Um, I'm, not, I'm not down with that. I'm not voting for that. I'm not supporting that. Um, I don't believe in hashtags like believe women. I think those are basically white white female supremacist hashtags because you're basically saying that if you have a vagina and you say something, then that makes it automatically true. I don't think a vagina is a, a barometer of truth. I think that a person can own a vagina and still tell a lie. So th this fact that you just believe that anything that a, comes out of a, of a woman's mouth when it comes to accusing a man of something should automatically be believed, that defies my logic. That does not sit well with me. Um, so the Me Too movement, I think, was an epic failure, uh, and it failed to do something that was really important, which was to get justice for women who've been legitimately harmed by men. Instead, you turned it into a terrorist tactic where anybody who disagreed with you was going to be severely punished. And I think that that's going to backfire on you. I really do. Uh, what else? What's the next thing on the list? Let me see here. Hold on. Do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share and subscribe button. If you haven't hit the thumbs up button, please do that right now. Also, text the word voice to 31996. And you can actually get notifications when I go live. Text voice to 31996. Next, um, I don't consider COVID to be the leading threat to black people since it's surpassed by things like shootings, diabetes, heart disease, and Popeye's chicken. Uh, so, you know, a few months ago, I got into that whole back and forth uh, over, uh, you know, record labels promoting Lizzo uh, and, and promoting this uh, obesity, you know, as a good thing, like telling black people that it's great to be obese. Being fat is a wonderful thing. That's body positivity. And anybody who says different is is fat shaming, slut shaming, or whatever shaming. And uh, and then a few months later, you're complaining because black people are dying from COVID when really the direct, the direct relationship is right there in front of your face that people who are obese, people who do have heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, and all these other things are more likely to die from COVID. So one minute you're telling me to cheer when you're telling people to position themselves to be vulnerable to COVID. And then you're getting mad because I'm, I, because I, I stand up and I say, I told you so I warned you about this and you don't want to hear that. So accountability isn't very popular in the community. And I don't consider COVID to be the number one uh, source of uh, number one threat to black people. Uh, most black people I know who've died did not die from COVID. 
Um, I, I do know some, you know, older people who died, things like that. I know that that's very, very real. But I think that that fear is artificially manufactured. I feel like they created that fear because it's an election year. So it's election year. So they create fear. They create fear in an election year. That's what they've done to make this seem like it's the biggest, scariest thing in the world that you should react to when there's a thousand things that we've been talking about for years happening right here in the city of Chicago as far as black children being murdered every single week. And when we sounded the alarm on that, nobody listened. Nobody talks about that, but everybody wants to talk about COVID. If you ain't going to talk about that, then don't talk about COVID. If you're going to talk about COVID, then you need to talk about that. Next, I'm not happy about the Biden crime bill and the fact that he sent 100,000 or more black people who were exterminated or stuck in prison. Many of these people are still in jail right now. Um, I know that we get caught up in individual killings and individual shootings and everything else because everyone gets emotional about it. And I totally get that. But uh, that's not that's not nearly as significant as the hundred thousand people or more who've been traumatized, who really deserve reparations for receiving uh, extraordinarily long prison sentences under the Biden Clinton crime bill. Uh, these are real lives and these are real people that are still in prison right now. that are still struggling and still suffering right now uh, because of policies that people put in place. Uh, let me know if you can hear me. OK, if you can see me and hear me. OK, I just want to make sure I'm coming through. All right, because literally. I am. Um, I am. Oh, there we go. Okay. I. I. My. My computer is totally frozen. So I apologize for that, guys. But I hope you can hear me. Okay. Give me a yes or no if you can hear me. All right. I'm gonna keep looking uh, to make sure you can hear me. Okay. Thank you, Spell Legacy. I appreciate it, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. All right. Let's keep going down the list. Um. Uh, and by the way, I know. I know. Sometimes, like comments like this, especially with with the heightened emotion of the election season, it's gonna cause a couple of things. Right. One. Uh, some of the people who were my friends are not going to want to be my friends anymore. So if you're not, if you don't want to be my friend anymore because of what some white guy said, then I'm, that's cool. I, I'd rather replace you with a real friend anyway, uh, who where I can express myself and still be loved. Um, and, and, you know, so th- so that's the first thing. Second thing is I'm sure that there's going to be trolling. What happens when black men use our voice uh, because the Democratic Party has pushed black men to the side and marginalized us uh, and tried to turn us into a pack of hoes? There are people that will do everything they can to try to shame and discredit and attack you. That's a standard political strategy they've used for a long time. Uh, and that's a strategy they use when they can't debate with you. They can't uh, explain why you're wrong. They can't provide alternative uh, facts and information that will undermine the point. They just come and they, they call you names or they say, oh, you're a Trump supporter. Or they make a meme of you wearing a MAGA hat, what, like, they, like they did with uh, Ice Cube where they Photoshop the Trump hat on his head because he actually went to go talk to Trump. Those are pimp techniques. Person does. That's what evil, 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 like political parties do. That's 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 basically a type of bullying that they've used for hundreds of years. They've always done this. So just know just when you see these tactics, just kind of know what they are. So when somebody does it, you know, they say, oh, you know, Dr. Boyce is a Trump supporter. Um, You know, that idea that I'm a Trump supporter because I'm not down with your Democratic bullshit. Again, you just say, oh, well, this is a tactic that we know you guys like to use, but just know it doesn't work over here because we we can see right through it. Um, Here's what else is there um, on the list. I don't believe that Kamala Harris or Barack Obama truly represent the black community. I know both of them. um, If you look at their family origins, their family origins are all over the place. Neither one of them had the black experience that I had. Barack with his white mama growing up in Hawaii is not the same as a black kid in the hood growing up in the south side of Chicago. I don't care what any, how anybody wants to twist it and shape it into whatever they want. It, I don't relate to that guy. Um, you know, I, I, I see him as an actor. I see him as a guy who knows how to 
how to relate to me because he studied people like me, but I don't, I don't think deep down in his heart and soul, he relates to me. Kamala Harris, her mama's Indian, her daddy's a Jamaican guy who talks about how his family owns slaves. Um, I don't see Kamala as, uh, as being me. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have a right to do whatever, but I really wonder if she's like maybe even a, in that Rachel Dolajal category where you have a lot of people of Indian descent who will lie on their application uh, to you know, then say that they're black so they can get a scholarship. There's plenty of articles out there. If you go look it up, because I was like, why would she go to an HBCU and, and do all this black stuff if that wasn't really her thing? And I'm not saying that, that she was faking it the whole time. I'm saying that there's a big incentive there. There's a big financial incentive to, to lie and pretend to be black. A lot of people like to pretend to be black, except for when it gets real. Like when, when they're dealing with the real struggles of blackness, they don't want no parts of that, right? So, but when it comes to the cool stuff about being black, like wearing Timberlands and, and rapping and going to an HBCU and getting a scholarship, you know, by telling them that you're African-American, um, I, I think that, that that's where people want to get on board. But when it comes to the hard conversations about blackness, like if you ask a Kamala Harris, uh, well, what about reparations? Um, you know, when I poll you guys, when I survey you guys, I survey you. Remember, you, remember I, you know, my master's is, is in statistics. So I like data. I like information. So when I survey you and I say, what are your top issues? What do you care about the most? Very few of you say, I want to know what Kamala Harris's favorite rapper is. Most of you say, I want reparations. Like, like they owe us money. Like they, they need to go ahead and pay up that reparations check or they need to supply some resources. Don't tell us how much you love us. Don't tell us when Black Lives Matter. Don't go paint the streets, you know, whatever, because you're just fucking up the street. Just just make sure you pay what you owe. If you can't pay what you owe, then we don't we don't need to have a conversation. And, and, and that's where I'm at. I'm at, I'm at a point where I want to have real discussions. I don't want to have these fake conversations where I'm going to vote for you just because I like you. I want to vote for you because you're really in, in this with me. People that are in this with me are the people that I'll support. If you're not in this with me, then I'm not going to support you. So by you refusing to even say the word reparations, you're saying to me, I'm not in this with you, right? Or when you say, I'm not doing nothing specifically for black folks, which is actually what Kamala said, then fine. I'm not doing nothing specifically for Kamala. You're not doing nothing specifically for black folks, then I'm not doing nothing specifically for you. You're asking me to specifically go to the little polls and specifically vote for you. But you telling me you won't specifically do anything for me. Well, why do you think I'm supposed to do something specifically for you, but you won't do anything specifically for me? Anybody who disagrees with that logic, unfortunately, they're 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 in they're white supremacists. Because only a white supremacist would say that you should do something specifically for the white establishment but they shouldn't feel obligated to do something specifically for you. So I'll just say this. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't go for that. Cause it, it sounds to me a lot like bullshit. It sounds pretty stupid to me, honestly. Uh, but anyway, let's keep going. Uh, let's keep going down the list. Um, I, I consider inner city shootings to be as serious as police shootings. And I want to solve both problems at the same time. I think police shootings are a big deal. I, I think that we should do everything we can to stop people from being shot by the cops but there's less than 50 unarmed black men per year that are killed by the police. It's, it's, it's well, well below 50. Um, there's 40 million black people. There's hundreds of thousands of black men in prison. Why, are we go, why don't we go get the men out of prison and, and then after that also deal with the police shootings? Why don't we go save the 100,000 and then go after the 50? Why, are we, why do we got to focus on the 50 and ignore the 100,000? That doesn't make sense to me. Also, when you talk about all the shootings in the hood, how come in the same week one guy gets shot 
and everybody's talking about that one guy because CNN is talking about it. But I can come out and I can say, you know, 87 people got shot in Chicago this week. And that's Chicago alone. That doesn't include Los Angeles. It doesn't include Houston. It doesn't include New York City. It doesn't include Philadelphia. It doesn't include Nashville. It doesn't include Detroit. It doesn't include all the cities. It's just Chicago alone. And nobody cares. No, literally crickets. Well, the reason that you have crickets on the big stuff, but loud noise on the little stuff is because the little stuff is being controlled by white media that decides what little stuff they want to focus on. And they focus on ignoring the big stuff. And that and if you want to know why you don't actually get any real progress in the community, it's because you're letting people lead the conversation who don't have your best interest at heart. So they'll focus all day on the little stuff and ignore the big stuff. And then you wonder why the big stuff does not get solved. This is logic. Some people are not logical thinkers. Some people are not strategic thinkers. Logic, overly emotional people are just going to be emotional. They're just going to get mad. They're going to say, how dare you? You Trump supporter, you son of a bitch. How, what's wrong with you, right? When really, uh, you know, the, the logical thinkers are going to say, yeah, that does make sense. Why, why would I do focus on the little stuff and not the big stuff? Like when Alicia is upstairs and she tells the kids to clean the kitchen. And, you know, if, if the kid, stay, if one of the kids stays in their bedroom and says, well, I dusted off this little spot on my table, right? And, and you know, I got a table in my room and I dusted this little spot. She says, no, I need you to clean the kitchen. I need you to wash the dishes. I need you to wipe off the counters. I need you to sweep the floor. And they say, no, no, no. But I focus, I cleaned this little spot all day for an hour. I was rubbing this little spot. And so I did do a lot of cleaning. She's going to say, what are you talking about? The house is still a mess because you're not focusing on the house. You're focusing on one little tiny thing instead of focusing on the big thing I asked you to focus on, right? So you know, ultimately, um, when it comes to black and blackness, I think that they they play dumb, they play d- blind, deaf, dumb, and stupid, and uh, and and I'm not stupid enough to to go for that. So uh, I'm not. So this is why the Democratic Party does not relate to me. Does not mean it can't relate to you. It does not mean that you can't still be a Democrat. Does not mean you shouldn't vote for who you want to vote for. My God, you should just do whatever you want to do. I want you to go do that. Just know I'm not joining you. I'm not going to validate something that doesn't have deserve validation, in my opinion. Uh, what else? Um, I don't believe that immigration is the same as I don't believe that illegal immigration is the same as legal immigration. I also think that mass immigration has been bad for the black community. In Powernomics, Dr. Claude Anderson explains how black people used to be 40 or 50 percent of the population and that they established immigration quotas where they specifically said that the darker you are, the low, the, the less people we, from your country we want in your country. If you're white, if you're Irish or some shit, or or whatever, or, or you're from, you know, uh, England, then you can immigrate all day. But if you're dark, if you're from Africa, they actually said we want zero Africans coming to this country. And they did not lift that till about the 1960s or something like that. So basically, a lot of your voting power and your economic power was diluted because of mass immigration. That's why it makes it harder for you to make your claim on reparations. And, and, and the reason the Democratic Party offends me is because um, they're able to go and convince millions of black people to pressure each other, to do slave pressure on each other, overseer pressure on each other to vote against our interests. And so what I encourage you to do is be logical. Follow your own instinct. If something doesn't make sense to you and you don't think something is helping you, then don't support something that's not helping you just because they told you to get your booty to the poll or if you don't vote, you don't count or your ancestors die for you to vote or or you or you if you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain. No, I'm a fucking complain if I want to. Like, don't tell me what I have a right to do. I spent 400 years fighting against people who wanted to take away my rights. So I did not 
fight white people taking away my rights just so I can have black people taking away my rights. Cause that's what you have. You have, you spent all this time fighting white people who took away all your rights. Now you got black people who want to take away your rights. You know, if you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain. No, maybe voter vote, maybe abstinence is my strategy. Right. Abstinence is a strategy in sex. Maybe somebody says, you know, since the person I'm dating isn't any good, I'm not going to have sex with them. But I'm also not going to have sex with this other person. I'm going to abstain until I find somebody who's worth me having sex with Um, in Congress. When when the Democrats uh, were mad at the Republicans for confirming Amy Coney Barrett Barrett. The Democrats were supposed to vote. They were supposed to show up and vote for the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. Well, guess what they did? They abstained. They stepped away and said, you know what? We're not going to legitimate this process because we feel it's illegitimate. We're not going to participate because by our participation, we're making you falsely believe that we agree with what's going on. So in order to make it sure that you're clear that we don't support this, we're walking away from the table. Right. So anybody who tries to tell you that abstaining is not a strategy, I encourage you to, to have them just tell them to go to the political science literature, literature that was written by professors at Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Northwestern University, and read up on the use of voter abstinence as a polit- as a viable political strategy. Uh, just remember that they're going to tell you it doesn't matter. They're going to tell you that it's not a strategy because it doesn't benefit them to uh, to be honest with you, their their goal is to take advantage of slave thinking, like slave, you know, slave thinking, slave thinkers are stupid. So we're just going to tell you that if you don't vote, I mean, you act like they're going to pay attention to you if you don't vote. Well, no, they're, they're going to always pay attention because they're going to they're always trying to get votes. And here's the thing. It costs. Did you all know it costs six billion dollars to run for president this year? This is the most expensive election cycle in American history. It costs six billion to run for president. The congressional race is all uh, uh, collected a combined total of seven billion dollars. So it costs about 14 billion, seven point five and plus six point five, about 14 billion dollars to run for all these offices that are out here. Now, why does that work? How does that work? Let me break down the money situation for you. The money comes from big donors who. Uh, who vote with their dollar bills. So they may not have a lot of votes. They may not have the numbers to sway the vote, but they have the numbers to sway the economics, which ultimately sways the vote. And, and the Nation of Islam, what they found was that the vast majority of the largest donors to both the Democrat and Republican parties, to both parties, actually came from the Jewish community, which is about 1.4% of the population. So this tiny, this tiny group of people that have focused on their economics, that have done a wonderful job with that. I mean, God bless them for that. This is not anti-Semitic on any level. Um, but they, they, this, this small group of people that is a very small percentage of the population that don't have very many votes literally use their economic power to gain political power. How do they do that? Well, they support the candidates. They put the money into the candidates' pockets and they say, OK, candidate, you now have a billion dollars from us. Take that billion dollars and I want you to go market to black people and and control black people and get them to vote. Go pay the Negro overseers. Go find the Angela Rise and the Roland Martins and and make sure that they're good and and get them to go and put pressure on their people to show up and vote. So so we're going to do an ad called Get Your Booty to the Polls. We're going to do another ad called If You Don't Vote, You Don't Count. We're going to get another ad with two black men that are rapping and playing basketball so they can convince black men to, to show up and vote. And we're not going to give them any reason to vote. We're not going to talk about anything that benefits them, because after you finish taking care of the billionaires, you ain't got nothing left over to do to take care of black people. Right. So you're not going to take care of black people because you're, you're, you're too busy taking care of the billionaires. So but we're going to really make them feel because they're not very smart. 
we're going to make them feel that they have to vote just because. That voting is just the coolest thing to do. That is what you have to do. And that if you don't vote, vote, then there's something wrong with you. You're not supposed to ask for anything. If you ask for something, then something's wrong with you. If you ask for something, then they're going to call them. They're going to attack them. They're going to call them Trump supporters. They're going to do whatever. As long as they can pressure them into acting without asking for anything. So we're going to engage in what they talk about in poweronomics is the doctrine of unequal exchange. The doctrine of unequal exchange is how rich people get rich and poor people stay poor. So the doctrine of unequal exchange plays a part here where uh, we're giving them something valuable, which is our vote. Our vote is valuable. When they tell you that your vote has value, it really does. Uh, we're giving them something of value. They're giving us nothing. So then when the politician gets elected because they use the billions of dollars to go market to black people to get our booties to the polls so that we will go put their, their, their politicians in office, the first people they take care of are not the people that voted for them. They take care of the billionaires that gave them the money to go and market to black people to get them to vote. Right. That's why, for example, if you look in the history of Biden, one of the things that Biden did that was really interesting. I didn't know this. Somebody brought this to my Alicia brought this to my attention. This is why it's great to have a smart black woman next to you. She's a full professor of social work. So she's really smart. She's also an expert in the subconscious mind. And she's also deep into metaphysics. So if I ever sound very metaphysical, just know I got it from her. I got it from I got it from my woman. And uh, and one of the things that she mentioned to me, and I didn't really know the details on this, but did you all know that if you declare bankruptcy, you, you probably know this, but you didn't know that. So let me explain what this and that is. This mean, this is that you probably know that if you declare bankruptcy, you cannot write off your student loans. How many of you know that? Give me a yes or no in the chat if you know that if you declare bankruptcy, you cannot write off your student loans. You can write off all your other debts, but your student loans cannot be wiped off in a bankruptcy. Did you know that? Okay, yes or no? All right. So, so a lot of you knew this. Some of you didn't. Well, that's true. Do you know where that came from? Do you know where that came from? Go look it up. Go Google it. I put the article on my Facebook page. Joe Biden actually pushed for that. Joe Biden uh, had, had received a lot of money from uh, from these banks and, and other uh, lending institutions. And be, when he got this money, he pushed through. He was one of the most vocal supporters of a bill that pushed through. Uh, the legislation that made sure that you can't escape your student loans no matter what. And so I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I was really concerned about the crime bill. I didn't know about this other thing. So here's the thing that's interesting. If you study black wealth the way I study, I study very in, in extreme detail that I, I dedicate my life to, to the, the, the racial wealth gap. Like that's literally the thing I think about every single day of my life. Um, the, the racial wealth gap is actually growing largely because of student loans. I don't know if y'all know that student loans are one of the leading reasons, if not the leading reason, that uh, the, the black wealth gap has actually grown over time. Because a lot of you, uh, half of all black college graduates de um, default on their student loans. Did you know this? Most black college graduates don't ever finish school. So there's a lot of people who start and they never even get started, but they get the debt. I you, you might you matter might not know people like this, right? But they have these really expensive, overpriced private universities that go into the hood and they recruit students and they say, oh, well, we'll give you the $30,000 it costs to take these classes. Just sign here. So they'll sign here. Some of them never finish, never even start the program, but they have the debt. So boom, you're done. You're out of the economic game. Now you've got 30000 in debt that you'll never repay. So you're going to give up hope and you're never able to really engage in the wealth building process. Then you have a lot of people that go to college. Remember, I was a college professor for 27 years, so I know this very well. You go to college and you are on campus for a year or two. Maybe something happens, you drop out, maybe you get pregnant, whatever. Uh, but half of the students, the black students that start college never graduate. But the majority of those students who never graduate go home with debt. 
They go home with debt and, and a limited ability to repay that debt. So who are the best off in this category? Well, then you have those who actually graduate. And so black college graduates have more student loan debt than almost anybody else. Half of the graduates can't even pay the debt. Half of the people that graduate. Now, these are your most talented people. These are your talented 10th. These are the black people that are supposed to get us out of the hole. These are the, the black elite, right, with letters behind their name, all kinds of bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, JD, PhD, uh, LLM, whatever. And, and, and these individuals are buried in debt, and many of them die in debt. Many of them default on their debt. Their credit gets ruined because they default on their debt, and they can't get away from that debt because um, of what of what Joe Biden pushed for in that bill. This does not mean I'm telling you Joe Biden is the devil all the time or that he's never done anything good in his life. I'm not here to say that. He's certainly better than uh, Donald Trump, right? So if you're going to vote, if you want to you know, lay, lay things on the table for real, in certain areas, as far as like being presidential or just being what a, like a nice guy. Joe Biden is a nicer guy. He's more presidential than Donald Trump. Donald Trump's rough around the edges. He's a bit of a narcissist. He's also a racist, just like Biden is. You're picking between two races, um, and I'm, I'm not going to play that game. Uh, but but you know, Biden is a little more presidential, right? But but here's the problem. The deeper problem for me as a black man is that I cannot relate to a lot of the policies that exist on the left. So let me keep going. Let me let me keep reading down the list. Uh, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, share and subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Also, um, uh, just in case uh, you, you want some things that can help you, you can have a free copy of my book if you go to allblackeconomics.com. There's the URL on the screen, allblackeconomics.com. And you can also text the word voice to 31996 on your phone, and I'll send you text notifications periodically to let you know what we got going on. Um, and hopefully this stuff will help you. Um, all right. So here, here's what else. Here's, here's what else I put on the list. Um, and I put it on my Instagram. My Instagram is the real voice Watkins. I don't wake up worried that the Proud Boys are going to show up at my house and kill me. I can't even think of 100 black people that the Proud Boys have killed in the last two years. I see them as a phantom threat designed to scare me and I don't scare easily. Um, you know, if, if, and here's the reason that that's a problem. Uh, rather than delivering tangibles, rather than delivering reparations, rather than doing things that are substantive, they present these phantom threats. And they say, you know, Trump told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand down. And I hear people say that, but the Proud Boys, I've never, I, I mean, I haven't seen any mass murders by the Proud Boys. Um, and, and a lot of times what will happen is, um, they, and I talked about this in terms of dimensions, they go to higher dimensions with you where they talk about not what's here, they talk about what could be right? They're always saying, "But but the Proud Boys could do it, or they could come kill you, or or they might do it, right?" And it's like I don't want to hear about what they might do, what they could do, what what you think that they're thinking about doing. I want to look at what they've actually done and what they're doing right now, because remember that when you're making that trade, that doctrine of unequal exchange, where you're giving them something valuable and they're giving you something of no value, that a lot of times they will deflect from core meaningful issues to get you to focus on on a, a nothing burger. Right. A nothing burger like the Proud Boys are going to get their AK-47s and go start murdering black people. But that's a nothing burger because they haven't done that. They haven't. The Proud Boys spend most of their time trying to defend themselves and explain that they're not racist. And they bring their black members up. They say, look, here's Tyrone. He's black. He's with us. He's, you know, that. And and so I'm not so concerned about the fact that they don't like the Proud Boys or consider them to be a problem. I'm more concerned about the fact that when you ask them about something meaningful, like, how do we get $500 billion to Black-owned businesses so we can create thousands of jobs in our community? They'll say, we're not going to do that, but we're going to protect you from the Proud Boys. Well, no, give us the money and we'll go buy some guns. And if the Proud Boys want to step up, then we can get down like that. We're not children. We can defend ourselves. Um, and again, I don't relate to that as a Black man because I don't need 
protection from liberal white people in order to feel safe. I don't need any of that. I protect my family. I can protect my community. I can get together with a bunch of other brothers. You know, I'm, you know, my friend Willie D, you know, Willie D always, you know, we all, we, we, you know, if, if I call up Willie and say, Hey man, look, this is about to go down. I need some black men that are going to really stand with me. I'll call up Willie D, maybe call my friend David Banner and some other guys and we come together and we, and we'll be fine. We don't need protection. So, so the heterosexual black male does not relate to this whole um, protectionist sort of mindset. So again, maybe the Democratic Party is uh, maybe maybe if you're gay or, or if you're LGBT, maybe the party's for you. Uh, if you if you're into those rights, right? If you are um, if you're a weak man, then maybe that that's that's for you. If you are uh, if you're a woman who's really who really feels super oppressed and feels like black men are just filled with toxic masculinity, they can provide no value to you. Or maybe you're a woman who dates a woman, then maybe the party's for you. But black men who are you know you know who just you know want to be able to do things on their own, there's a lot happening there that really alienates us. Um, so let me keep going. Uh, what else? Uh, some other reasons why the Democratic Party is not uh, doesn't relate to me. Um, I consider the creation of Black Lives Matter to be an LGBT front organization designed to profit from the suffering of black people in order to pursue a broader leftist agenda. Um, black Lives Matter told on themselves. If you go if you go to the blacklivesmatter.org website, um, basically up until maybe two or three weeks ago when they started to try to be mainstream, when they realized people were calling them out, um, they were very clear about exactly who they are and what they want to do. They, they, they were clear that they want to dismantle the nuclear family. Well, that's completely in contradiction to what I believe in. I want to build the nuclear family. They were very clear that, you know, that 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 transgender issues and and, uh, you know, homophobia type stuff was was like their top priority. That's not my top priority. So it does not mean I'm I'm dissing them. It doesn't mean that I'm saying they don't have a right to say what they want to say and be who they want to be. I believe in freedom. I believe in freedom of speech, thought, expression, all of that. But don't try to pull me into your agenda as if your agenda is my agenda. Don't try to hijack me and pull me away from where I am and who I am and who I where I need to be focused so I can focus on what you need me to focus on, right? If I'm working on my own business, don't pull me over and have me work in the, the cash register at your McDonald's franchise. I, I want to go, I want to do what, I want to do me. You do you, I'm going to do me. I'm not going to fight you about it, but I'm going to have to call it out. So um, a lot of times, and this is what happens a lot of times when you're not very uh, politically intelligent, which uh, which fortunately I think the political intelligence of, of the black community has gone up, does not mean black votes are not available. Millions of black votes are always available. My vote is available, but my vote is for sale. My vote is for sale to the, to the highest bidder. Whichever party delivers something that's substantive and real, then I say, okay, you know what? I'll vote for you because we really need that. And I appreciate the fact that you're doing that. Doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, or independent. I'm going to hear you out. I have no loyalty to any party until that party party has earned my loyalty. That's how you switch from the doctrine of unequal exchange to a doctrine of equal exchange to a doctrine of quid pro quo, which is built on a fundamental type of self-respect that unfortunately we're not taught as black people. We're not taught to be able to feel comfortable saying, take care of me and I'm going to take care of you. Everything you want me to do for you, I just need you to do the same for me. We're, we're taught to believe that somehow that that's too radical or that, that that's bad or that something's wrong with you or that you're a bad person. Well, really, that's actually human nature. That's what everyone else does. Every other community does that. But for some reason, we're still stuck in that kind of slave thing. And, I, and it is what it is. 
Uh, what are some other reasons why I don't relate to the Democratic Party? Um, I don't think my Christian mother is homophobic just because she believes in her Bible. I became very offended when they, I don't even go to church, but I was very offended when they kept calling the black church homophobic and they were bringing uh, black commentators on TV to reiterate that white liberal talking point. To me, if they want to speak their nonsense, let them speak their nonsense. But you don't have to co-sign on that just because MSNBC is giving you a paycheck. Uh, a lot of our scholars have been wussified and wimpified and, and whiteified and everything else um, to the point where I think they forget where their loyalty needs to lie. So I, I guess it's fine. I mean, if you got a job at Duke University and they're paying you a good salary, then go ahead and take care of Duke. But don't try to sort of do double speak. Don't try to be a double agent like, oh, I'm really advocating for the black community. No, you're working for those white people. They're they're paying your bills. So maybe that's where your attention should be. And I think it's, I think clarity is really, really what I think we should seek out. It doesn't mean uh, that I need you to change who you are. I just need to know who you are. So you can't pretend to me that you're something other than what you are and, and still get my support. Um, I also I, I'm not comfortable with Cardi B teaching little girls how to sell WAP for money when they're in the second grade. Um, I get disgusted as a parent when I turn on TikTok and I see uh, stuff on TikTok that should not be on TikTok. You should not have grown ass women twerking on TikTok or talking about selling their vagina for a Gucci bag. Um, I think that uh, the, the fundamental principle that I believe, uh, maybe I'm old fashioned, but I believe in teaching little black girls that what they have to offer is very precious that the womb of the black woman is one of the most sacred locations in the history of this, of this earth, that gods and goddesses, kings and queens come from your womb. So some, so, so people should not have easy access to that. Your access to your womb should not be sold for a Gucci bag. So uh, I'm not a fan of that. I don't consider that to be pop body positivity. I don't consider that to be a uh, free sexual expression when she's talking about uh, all the things she can do, uh, you know, all the things she can put in her mouth in a bedroom. And she's rapping this over a song and a seven year old is hearing that because I think that that I, I, I believe in cause and effect. I'm very good at seeing cause and effect. And I believe that there is a connection between sexualizing little girls at the age of seven and then what happens to them when they get 12, 13, 14 years old, when R. Kelly's rolling through the neighborhood with some ice cream cones in one pocket and $25 in the other, and he's up there picking up chicks and these little girls are in the seventh grade and they think they're grown enough for a grown-up relationship. So you're setting your children up for exploitation when you sexualize and you're molesting their minds with inappropriate content and when they're in the first, second, or third grade I'm not a fan of that. Um, I'm not going to say anybody else can't do what they're going to do. But when it comes to me and my kids, I'm not going to support that. I'm not going to be dumb enough to vote for policies or ideologies that support things that I feel are in my uh, or are directly against my interests as, as a father, as a black man, as a human being. Uh, next, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button if you haven't done it yet. Uh, it's very important. Um, so next. Um, I believe that black fathers, this is another reason I don't relate to the Democratic Party. Um, I believe that black fathers are an essential part of the home. Um, when I saw Black Lives Matter said that their goal was to dismantle the nuclear family, and I hear people talk about toxic masculinity. I hear people promoting, they tend to promote, like you look at Kamala Harris, she's married to a white man. Um, I, you know, uh, even even um, what's his name, Candace Owens is married to a white man. Um, I see all these sorts of things happening that are almost this uh, this idea that's being subtly shared to say, that the black man is a miserable failure, that you must give up on the black man because if you support the black man, you're on the losing team. The winning team is to get next to a rich white guy like Kamala so you can run for president or to go date another woman uh, because everybody's gay now. Everybody wants to, to date the, the same gender or maybe men want to become women or whatever. 
Um, I think that the heterosexual masculine black male is extremely important. I think alpha males matter. I think that the strong black men are the ones who protect and defend the community. The reason your community is not defended, the reason that so much predatory behavior occurs is because you have a defenseless community. And it's also why I think that Joe Biden feels very comfortable coming in and only working through black women and not even acknowledging black men. The whole situation with Ice Cube, the reason that situation with Ice Cube was so offensive to so many people is because they're not used to black men speaking up. They're used to believing that they're that they're used to being political slumlords. Uh, as political slumlords, they believe that they are they are monitoring and controlling and, and managing a fatherless community that does not have any men. So when Ice Cube steps up and says, not only am I challenging you, not only am I demanding quid pro quo, me and my team of black men, Ice Cube didn't do it by himself. He taught, he had a lot of scholars in his back. They, we, we weren't the guys on TV, but he was talking to all of us. I had many conversations with Cube. Many other guys had conversations with Cube. Brilliant black male scholars and some women as well had conversations with Cube. And Cube went up there with an army of black people who said, we demand something in exchange for our vote. So when that black man appears and says, wait, you know, I'm using all this power you gave me through your entertainment systems, your, your hip hop music that's typically used to exploit black people. I'm actually going to use that power to empower black people. He, he was no different from some of the groups in, in, in other countries where the U.S. government would fund them with weapons and money, and then they would turn those missiles back on the United States. So he's basically taking the missiles that they gave him because they thought he was going to shut up and rap or shut up and dribble or just sit around and just 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 be a rich guy who was, was detached from the community. And he's literally he literally flipped that back on in, into their face. And that, I think, was very frightening and very uh, disconcerting for them because they're kind of like, wait a minute, like you're not supposed to do this. The black man is not supposed to show up to the game, you know, but when daddy busts through the door and says, daddy's home, I'm here, I'm in this conversation too. A lot of people are going to be offended. And, and, but then a lot of people cheered for him, which gives me hope. It lets me know that there is a vast contingent of millions of black people who get everything that I'm saying that understand completely what I'm saying. I did a survey. Uh, we have 400,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. I did a survey and I asked those people, again, these are not typical black people. They tend to be more intelligent. They're a little more educated. They're a little more, uh, they have a stronger black identity. So this is not, you know, a, a, an average random sample of black people, but, but they're mostly black. And I said, what do you think about what Ice Cube is doing? Do you support it or are you against it? 96%. 96% of you said you supported Ice Cube. So when 96% of black people from a specific pocket of the black community, from the intelligent black community, hundreds of thousands of black people, 96% say they support Ice Cube, but yet you turn on TV where they've got black commentators being paid by white media outlets who, uh, who are run by the Democratic Party, which is supposed to be your friend, and they're preaching a completely different narrative. They're not even bringing on people who are presenting that 96% then that really speaks to the, the the way the propaganda works. That speaks to the level of misinformation that they that they thrust on the community. So so it's ironic, fascinating to me that one of the first things that they'll say when they hear from black people like me who have these platforms and and other people like a Tariq Nasheed and others who are sharing a narrative that you're not seeing in mainstream media. Uh, one of the things they do is they, they seek to discredit. Discrediting is a standardized political tactic that is used because politics is a dirty game. So they'll come in and they'll say, that is, those aren't real black opinions. Those are Russian bots. That's misinformation. That's propaganda, right? So it's fascinating that the people that are accusing us of misinformation and propaganda are actually using misinformation and propaganda to pursue their agenda. The only reason Ice Cube, pay attention, if you look at his Twitter, and, uh, and, and I remember when, when Cube was going through this, we talked a couple of times, 
remember, Cube was supposed to go on CNN to talk to Chris Cuomo. When they saw what Cube was going to be bringing to the table and they saw that Cube can actually handle himself in a debate, they canceled that interview abruptly. They said, we do not want the masses to hear from a black man who is speaking in this way. This is not going to benefit us because he's going to come in here and he's going to change people's perspective. Well, it wasn't until Cube called out CNN and put it on blast. And, and I love that because what he basically said is, you're not going to screw me in the dark. You're not going to screw me behind the scenes. I'm going to tell everybody what's going on so everybody knows what you're doing. That's when CNN reversed their decision and they brought him on. But then right after they brought him on, they did an old Malcolm. Malcolm X warned you about this tactic. Remember Malcolm X, when he gave that speech, he talked about the house Negro and the field Negro. He said when the, when the field Negro gets out of line and starts revolting, they didn't always kill him. They would, what they would do is send the old house Negro up behind him. And the House Negro's job was to spread disinformation to undermine the, the motives and the objectives and the words that the revolting field Negro had laid out on the table. So right after Ice Cube goes on to Chris Cuomo's show, right after, literally the very next moment, they bring in Don Lemon. Don Lemon, a hardcore Democrat. He's very big on the LGBT community. He's in the community and he supports the community. And uh, and also he's, you know, he's part of that elite white liberal establishment. He believes in a lot of the same ideas. He immediately goes in and starts to undermine everything Ice Cube had just said, right? So that's the house Negro field Negro approach to kind of solving the black problem. Because the black problem is one where it says, we got these Negroes here. They're all they're like a bunch of caged animals that we have. And we need the animals so that we can make the circus run. You know, you need the animals so they can carry the water. We need the animals so they can do the field work and pull the plows and all this other stuff. Well, when the animals get out of line, we need a process that's going to bring them back in line. So that is part of that process. And that's what you saw when you saw Ice Cube go in there. And Cuomo had a good conversation with him. And then Don Lemon immediately comes along and spreads disinformation to undercut Ice Cube without even giving him the respect of an interview where they can have a respectful dialogue. That's how misinformation works. That's that's how politics gets very dirty. OK, so let me keep going. Do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share and subscribe button. And also, there's my Twitter if you want to follow me on Twitter. And also, you can text the word voice to three one nine nine six if you um. If you want to get text notifications and stuff like that when I go live. So let me keep going. Other reasons why I don't relate to the Democratic Party. And actually, let me uh, see. I'll, I, you know, I'll, I see if I can try to put it on the screen so you can see what we actually started. You know what? I don't even have it. So but 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 basically we're talking about the reasons why I, as a heterosexual black male, have to really be clear on why the Democratic Party doesn't relate to me. I, I wanted to lay it out because I say things and people get confused and and, and aren't sure. And and uh, and people say, well, what do you want, to, want us to do? Who should we vote for? And I, I, I say, I don't want to do that. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for because I want you to have freedom. I'm not here to complain about the fact that they're taking your freedom and then I'm, I'm taking your freedom too. I don't want to take your freedom. I just want to lay it out there because I think that we need a clear, concise understanding of exactly what their beliefs are and why many of these beliefs just don't align with the values of certain black people. So let's keep going. Um, also, uh, another reason I don't align with the Democratic Party is that I'm not a fan of the victim mentality. Um, I, I don't believe in that. I believe that when you define yourself to be a victim, you're guaranteeing that you're going to be a victim. When you define yourself to be a victim, you're guaranteeing that you're going to be a victim. It's the same reason that like studies show, for example, that if you name your child Dennis, they're more likely to become a dentist. Did you know that? And it's funny, I talk about dentists because I got my dental work. That's why I talk a little bit funny now. But literally, if you name your child Den Dennis, um, then they're more likely to become a dentist. Uh, if you name your child Kavassier or Hennessy, 
then guess what? They're going to be thinking about Hennessy. Hennessy has seeped into their subconscious mind, so they're more likely to drink. Or, but on the contrast, if you name your child king or queen, then they're going to become they're more likely to engage in king-like behavior, right? So, um, so when so here's the thing: when you label yourself as a victim and you allow yourself, especially for men, especially for men who are capable and strong and smart, uh, when you let people convince you that your job as a black man is to simply avoid further victimization, they have pretty much stripped you of almost all your power. Uh, you know, because you can't really win a game by just playing defense. You can't score points on defense all the time. And when you're labeled as a victim, you're always on the defensive. You're always reacting to what a white supremacist has said about you, what they might do to you. You're always sort of operating in fear. Um, in anybody who's ever played sports, a lot, a lot of brothers, you know, we, we played, we were athletes. You know, I, I played basketball, football, track, all these things. And one thing I learned about sports is that you can't win if you're always on defense. And you also can't win if you're scared. If you're always scared and you enter a football game with fear, then you're more likely to be injured. You're more likely to be hurt. And raise your hand if, you, if you've ever played football and you know what I'm talking about. If you go in and you're afraid, like, oh, my God, I can get paralyzed. I might get hurt. I might twist my ankle. Then you're not going to do very well, right? So the same thing is true with the political game. If you enter the game with fear, then you're probably not going to win very well because it's hard to negotiate with, with fear. In uh, another example I'll give you, I, I told you guys I, I like poker. Poker is a fun game for me. It's a game of, of strategy, psychology, and math. And the thing about poker is that you can never be scared when you're playing poker. If you're trying to play poker at the highest levels and you're trying to beat hundreds of people, uh, and I've, I've won tournaments with hundreds of people in them before. And one thing about poker is that you have to be balls to the wall, ready to die at any moment. You you have to be ready to go broke, ready to put it all on the line, like, okay, what you going to do now? Right. And, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it blows up in your face. Sometimes you lose because of that. But but you cannot be afraid and, and still win. So I think that when it comes to this negotiation, <clears throat> the negotiation with white liberals, the negotiation with white Republicans, the negotiation with white supremacy, the negotiation with anybody, the negotiation with the world, we have to have a little more courage. We need a little more testosterone in the room. Uh, we need uh, more people that are seeking uh, desire than, than living off of just fear. Uh, fear can't be the only thing you react to. You must also react to your possibilities and your desire and your unre- your relentless uh, need to pursue uh, your greatest purpose, right? So you so what I'm talking about here, what I'm really talking about here is black excellence. Um, you know, there's white supremacy on one side, right? Those are the maybe the you know, Crips and Bloods or something, right? Uh, you got white supremacy over here and you got black excellence over here. And so white supremacy comes along and they kind of dominate. White supremacy dominates black uh, oppression. White supremacy dominates the black victim mentality. White supremacy, supremacy will always dominate black mediocrity, right? But when black excellence comes in the room that isn't operating in fear, but is operating in strength and desire and self-belief and self-confidence, then white supremacy cannot typically dominate black excellence. I believe that black excellence is the perfect disinfectant for, for white supremacy. I believe that nine times out of 10, black excellence kills white supremacy the same way that Clorox bleach can kill the coronavirus. So what I'm saying to you is that, again, I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about me. I don't relate to the Democratic Party because I don't see very many spaces in there for true black excellence. 
for black men, black excellence comes in the form of, of fulfilling uh, your role as a man. Black excellence to me comes in the form of pursuing educational excellence, where you're not just trying to avoid dropping out of school. You're trying to make straight A's. Uh, black excellence comes in the form of, of, of economic power, saying, like, my goal is not just to avoid unemployment. My job, my goal is to build a business that makes millions of dollars so that I can employ other people, right? Black excellence means that I'm not trying to avoid hell. I'm trying to go to the highest heights of heaven. So, so I believe that the first step toward overcoming any type of oppression, any type of limitation, is to stop putting the limitations on yourself and start believing in your possibilities and embracing that. I don't really hear that. What I hear a lot of times uh, when I'm hearing you know, political ads is I hear a lot of um, doom and gloom. You know, the, these terrible things are happening to you. We'll protect you. These horrible things are going to happen if you don't vote for us. We'll protect you. Um, I, that doesn't resonate with me because I don't think that's how you live your best life. I don't think that's how, as a community, we're going to ex explore our best existence. I think that that's how you survive. Uh, you're playing strugglenomics, not poweronomics. That's strugglenomics. Strugglenomics is how do I avoid hitting rock bottom? Whereas poweronomics says, how do I compete for my spot at the top? Right? So you must ask yourself, what are you aiming for in your life? Are you aiming for the top or are you trying to avoid the bottom? Which one are you doing? Make a decision. Like, say something in the chat. Let me know. What are you? Are you aiming for the top, or are you trying to avoid the bottom? Some of us are in that position. Sometimes you got to think about that, right? Like, it's like football. Sometimes you are in a situation where you're trying to avoid getting sacked in the end zone. You're on the one yard line trying to run a play. You got to avoid getting the safety, right? So sometimes you're in that situation. But then there's the point where where maybe you're in the red zone and you're like the 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 the, the end zone is ten yards away. I need to figure out how to score a touchdown, right? So black people have to spend more time scoring touchdowns than we spend trying to avoid a safety, right? And, and, and maybe because we're diverse, different people are in different places in their lives and in their mentality, right? So it, it doesn't mean all black people are supposed to be the same. I doubt that all Jewish people vote for the same political party. I doubt that all Asian people are Republicans or Democrats, right? So, so who the hell says that all black people have to be in one party or the other? I think it's okay for us to spread out. I'm just explaining to you why I, as a black man, as a heterosexual black man who believes in family, cannot relate to the policies that, that I see on the left. Let me keep going. What else? Here's the other reasons. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. Um, let's see. I, uh, let me keep going down here. Okay. Um, I'm not a fan of the victim mentality. I'm okay with terms like man up. Um, a lot of people tell me that that's toxic masculinity, shit like that. No. For, for In my experience, manning up was a choice. Confidence was a choice. It was a it was a decision I made to decide, you know what, I'm just gonna man up, right? Maybe some people don't agree. Maybe some people think that some people can't man up. I mean, if you're not if you're a woman, you got a woman up, right? Um, and but I think it's a choice, right? And I see that actually a lot of times, even if you look at a lot of black households where the, a lot of times the mother is running the household. Uh, the, the unfortunate mistake that I see a lot of times is that there will be a son who doesn't feel like he has a place in the household if there's women everywhere, right? So the mother will, in many cases, raise her daughters differently from the way she raises the son. Maybe the son, she feels guilty because his daddy ain't there. Uh, maybe with the son, she doesn't, uh, she can't control him anymore because he thinks he's the man of the house or whatever, right? But with the daughters, a lot of times, the mothers will be real firm on their daughters, they don't let their daughters make as many excuses. They'll tell their daughters. I've seen what mothers engage with their daughters and, and tell them to woman up. You know, like, like the daughter says, mom, my stomach hurts. I'm, you know, I'm cramping. I'm on my cycle. And the mom will say, well, you still got to wash the dishes, right? To woman up, you know, stand up straight, 
what's what, what's on your report card? You need to do better. Stop doing that, right? So that mentorship is really, really important because it teaches those little girls to woman up. And then when she's 27, 28 years old looking for a husband, she's been told to woman up her whole life. So she's at a certain level. But the boy, unfortunately, in many cases, has never hasn't may not have been told to man up. He's less likely to have been told to man up where he's forced by the men around him to to to, to reach a higher standard. Like, no, you must be on time. No, you must come through for your kids. No, you must find a way to solve this problem, right? So he gets there and he's coming up short, right? So she, he's 28, she's 28. She wants to date and marry him. She's been told to woman up her whole life. He's never been told to man up because we have a feminized society where we've been told that men don't matter. So as a result, you have a failure in the ultimate transaction that is essential for your survival, the transaction where men and women get together and procreate and build families and everything else. Well, you know, you can't build an institution when some of the bricks are made out of mashed potatoes, right? You can't build a building if some of the bricks are not stable and consistent, right? So some people are not built for institution building. Some people are not built for sturdy relationships. Some people are not built for sturdy families. So part of being built for those things comes from terms like man up, Right. Uh, we I have a 17 year old that's in my house. I'm his bonus dad. I'm not his actual dad. You could tell if you met him, you would tell instantly because he's about six foot six. Now, his daddy is six foot six, just like him. Right. So I, and I'm not his daddy, but I'm a mentor. I'm there. I, I run this house. This is my house. Right. So we have an understanding in terms of how this house is going to be run. But I know I'm not his daddy. So uh, when we had times where he wasn't manning up. You know, he was doing some stuff that teenagers do, maybe sleeping, sleeping a little bit too long when you're showing up late for things, not not really coming through as a man. Well, guess what happened? I reached out to his daddy and I said, let's get together and have a talk with him. And we told the women to leave. We told his mama, no, you can't participate in this discussion. We're going to talk to him and we're going to challenge him to man up. Well, when we got together and, and I'm talking on one side from my perspective, he's talking on his side from his perspective. Well, guess what? He's get he's triangulating into what manhood actually looks like. So he's walking away with an understanding of what a man is supposed to do. A lot of men struggle with manhood because they don't even know what the fuck a man's supposed to do. So they watch a rap video and they see a rapper holding his nuts, drinking out of a liquor bottle with 25 gold chains, driving a Lamborghini, having sex with everything that moves and throwing his money away. They think, oh, that must be what manhood looks like. So you get a lot of little boys who are in grown man skin, but incredibly, incredibly insecure very insecure and have no clue what manhood looks like. They have no clue how manhood relates to how you uh, take care of children. They have no clue about how manhood relates to your reliability as a human being. That Nobody ever taught them these things because maybe they grew up with a mom who just kept making excuses for them. But it's okay, though. It doesn't mean it's the mother's fault because I'm a believer. And again, this is why I'm, I'm just not, I don't fit with the whole white liberal agenda. I'm a believer that women and men are different. I'm a believer that the best thing a lot of mothers are able to do is mothers are natural nurturers and givers of life. Uh, when, when my mother raised me, my mother was always the one who would coddle me and tell me it was going to be okay. And, and hey, baby, you want something to eat? And she would take care of me. She didn't do what my father did. My father was the one who said, man up. My father was the one who said, no excuses. My father was the one who said, get up off your ass and go make it happen. Right. And, and so I believe the terms like man up, as much as people want to say, oh, that's bad, that's toxic masculinity, or let the little boy cry. Well, when you get these fucking 30-year-old black men who only know how to walk around and cry about their problems, well, then they're, they're perfect agents for white supremacy. 
Like seriously, all you hear is you see people online. I, I watched um this thing last night where where they had a uh, one of these guys. Um, I'm not gonna say his name, but I want to, but I'm not going to. But he was talking about you know how he's so offended that Trump is a mean person, and 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 another guy was talking about how hard racism is, and then I was like sitting there just cracking up, like these guys are not ready for war. These guys will never defeat white supremacy because all they know how to do is sit and whine and cry and talk about how sad they are to be black men and how somebody hurt their feelings. And they have no idea how competition and warfare actually occurs. They, they have no idea. They, they, they just, they're, it's, they're totally clueless. And, and I believe that you have to have black men that understand how warfare and competition works so that they can actually achieve the things that they're trying to achieve. So one of the things I liked about Ice Cube's approach, I use him as an example because that's the most prominent example for this election. I like his approach because he was just kind of like, I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you're my friend. And I remember I asked, I said, I said, so you, I said, are you good? You know, I, I said, people, people come at you pretty hard. Are you okay with that? Maybe he cared and didn't tell me, but he lit, I really got the impression that he truly didn't give a fuck. He did not care. Right. Because when you're really representing what you believe in and representing the people that you care about, you just don't care. And I, and I recognize that because my father has that same instinct. My father is the person who literally, well, if you if he thinks you're going to harm his family or exploit him or his family in some way, he has no problem abruptly interrupting the conversation, cussing you out and putting you out of his house. No problem at all. There is no like, oh, I hurt your feelings or we're not friends anymore. It doesn't matter. You you don't deserve to be my friend anymore. And, and, and so you see some of that maybe coming out in me, like with this whole political thing. I, I, I've i seen people say things and get mad and, and they, they, they you know misclassify me, use propaganda, tell lies, or Dr. Boyce is telling black people what to do and not to vote and all that. I don't care. I just, I just don't care because I'm fighting for something. And when you're fighting, you're not going to make friends with the other side. Right. So so if you so just so you know, if you're a person that's mad at me, just, you know, you can go go to another place and complain because I just truly don't care. If I cared, I would have stopped doing this, but I haven't stopped because I, I, I just don't care. So let me keep going. Uh, here's some other reasons I don't relate to the Democratic Party. Um, I don't trust failed school systems that are run by white people. Uh, I do not believe they are the best way to educate black children. Uh, the data has supported this. If you look at black educational progress in these white run liberal school systems, it is absolutely atrocious. It is an, a complete abomination. It is a complete state of emergency. It is very, very sad. So uh, those billions of dollars that are being given to white people to educate black people need to be given to black people so they can educate black people. I have no problem saying that black children need to be educated by black people in order to receive the love and support that they need. Uh, if you, so if you want to help black people educationally, don't build better white schools. Don't build better public schools. Take that trillion dollars. Give it to black people. Let us educate our own damn kids. We've been doing it since COVID started, so we've had plenty of practice. Um, I believe that Hollywood uses media to feminize the black male and demonize those who do not submit. If you watch most Hollywood movies, uh, they will they will find a, a they will have the LGBT person. In many cases, they will be black. They will make that person the hero so that you love the hero. And then they'll have the person do something really gay. So you'll associate that their, their sexuality with, 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 with who they are as a person, right? So you'll say, oh, he's the hero. I identify. I relate to the hero. I'm rooting for the hero. And then suddenly the hero will go kiss another dude. And then they're like, we got your ass, right? We've created a Pavlovian association. Pavlovian meaning Pavlov's dog. 
Pavlo had a dog. He was an Italian guy, I think, who had a dog where he wanted to train the dog to associate a bell, the ringing of a bell, with eating food. So every time he fed him, he would ring the bell, right? Every time he fed him, he would, he, the dog would hear the bell. So then he got to the point where he could ring the bell, and the dog would think, oh, it's time to eat. It's time to eat, right? Because he associated the bell with the food. So Hollywood is, is really slick with this. They like to associate sexuality with um, with quality traits of a human being. They won't have the LGBT guy be the villain. They will have them be the hero so that you'll see the hero go kiss another dude and you'll say, oh, well, these are all good people, right? I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm just pointing it out so you know what it is. So those who don't submit to that tend to get demonized. So the, the masculine heterosexual black male is typically defined as um, as a, a Bill Cosby-like kind of figure, right? You look at the imagery that they use to, to show Bill Cosby, it's usually very like messed up, disheveled, looking crazy, looking ugly, looking terrible, looking toxic, right? And, and that's a deliberate effort to, to reduce him from America's dad to America's demon. Right. And then but then you see images of Billy Porter. The images are wonderful. He's looking magnificent, wearing big, big flowery dresses and big hats and and gorgeous. And people in the back saying, you go, girl. Right. Billy Porter becomes the hero. Bill Cosby becomes the villain because they're making a statement and they're hoping that you're dumb enough to fall for that. And my job as a scholar and as a thinker and as an advisor to you is to let you see what I'm seeing so that you can then make a decision about which part of that message that you're, you're willing to internalize. Let's keep going. Uh, next, the other reason I don't relate to the Democratic Party or white liberals is that I want my kids to know more about Marcus Garvey and Dr. Claude Anderson than they know about the white heroes they see on TV. You go to school, you're consistently indoctrinated into the white supremacy because they're telling you all about everything from the American Revolution to, uh, you know, to, to the, the literature renaissance that happened in France in, in 1745. But they don't spend they, uh, in all those hours, thousands, tens of thousands of hours they spend with your children in school. They don't even take one second to mention Marcus Garvey, one of the greatest human beings in the history of this country. Uh, you have many HBCUs, Howard University. I have to call out Howard on this. Howard University and HBCU now. Um, has has been right down the street from Dr. Claude Anderson for 40 years, 30 or 40 years. And out of all the white people they've had come speak on campus, all the unqualified people they've had come speak on campus, all the Asian people, all the Arab people, all the white, white, black, everything else come to campus. They've never once had Dr. Claude Anderson come there and speak, not one single time. And here Dr. Claude Anderson wrote the book Poweronomics that literally is changing the trajectory of this entire election. Literally. Kanye West was tweeting Poweronomics as his inspiration to speak on issues that relate to the black community. Charlemagne the God was schooled on Poweronomics and had Dr. Claude Anderson on The Breakfast Club because Poweronomics has such an impact on him. And then he and Tiffany Haddish and, and some other people, they, they flew down to Dr. Anderson's house on a private jet to meet with him because his Dr. Anderson became almost like the Mecca. Uh, his home was the Mecca where they wanted to go to, to visit the godfather to talk to him about the keys and the secrets to understanding white supremacy and black economics that they never understood as children. When Ice Cube was going and challenging the Democratic and Republican parties, he was speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson and citing Poweronomics as one of the foundational principles upon which he was moving forward with his agenda and the contract with black America. Now, I understand why there are people who are not in alignment with the views of a book like a Poweronomics. I get that, right? This is a competition. 
I, if I'm wearing a Lakers uniform, then somebody else is going to be wearing a Nuggets uniform. Somebody else is going to wear, you know, a Dallas Mavericks uniform, right? We're not all on the same team. But I think it's very important to make sure you're clear about who's on your team and who isn't, right? So people who can't even acknowledge, not, not validate, not agree with, but can't even acknowledge something as impactful as poweronomics, which has been all over the media in this election cycle as a reflection and a representation of the views of many black men and women who are seeking true economic solutions. Anybody who can't even acknowledge that cannot be your friend. That cannot be your motherfucking friend. How are you my friend when Millions of black people are talking about something like poweronomics and you haven't even uttered it as a word. Like you have, you will talk about all the bullshit under the sun, every stupid thing known to man, every ridiculous, worthless idea, every repetitive, nonsensical solution, like get your booty to the polls. And, and if you don't vote, you don't count. And, and let's all go do the same thing we did in the last, last 10 elections. Right. Like, like you can talk about all that stuff that doesn't even work. But the one thing that people believe in that actually does show some progress, you can't even have a meeting. Like you can't even have a little conversation. You can't even say, well, let's just have this man bring the ideas to the table so we can at least see if this is something that might help our people do a little bit better. Those people are not your friends. I, I, I mean, you tell me, how can they be your friend if they're not seeking under every rock to find a solution that's going to benefit you and are simply asking you to engage in the same repetitive process that put you in the same predicament that you're in right now. This is one plus one is two. This is not calculus, folks. This is not complex, uh, high-level mathematics. You don't need a PhD to understand this. You don't even need to graduate from high school. A seven-year-old could get this. Mommy, I touched the stove and it makes my fingers hot. Yeah, baby, don't touch the stove no more. Uh, my, mommy, I ate cookies and cookies are good. Yeah, that's because cookies have sugar. Right. Like like babies can understand this basic logic. It's like that literally that level one logic such that if you don't get that, then that means you're determined to be as ignorant as you can possibly be. So I don't hang out with people that want to stay ignorant. I don't hang out with people that want to stay in the same place. I don't hang out with people that want to keep doing the same thing. If we ain't moving this train forward, dog, then we can't even then we ain't talking no more. You wasting my life. Let me keep going. Please hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. I'm almost done. I got three more things. So this is my list of 22 reasons why the Democratic Party does not relate to me as a heterosexual black male. Next, I don't like Antifa either. And I wasn't happy when they were putting bricks through people's windows. When all those protests started happening, I didn't have a problem with the protests, but I didn't like it when random white people from nowhere come into the community wearing gas masks and whatever, and, and or, or well organized with trucks full of bricks, and they're going through and busting windows and burning down buildings on our behalf. That wasn't really on our behalf. That felt like it was part of a larger organized agenda. I didn't like it. I don't want to be a communist. I don't want to be a Marxist. I don't want to be a socialist. And uh, and I'll tell you, where, where, I, where, I really, where I was really hip to this is um, in Southside Chicago, near the University of Chicago. That's a pretty heavy uh, hotbed for socialism, right? And it's nothing against it. There's some good ideas in socialism. I just don't want to be a socialist, right? But just like there's good ideas in capitalism, but I don't want to be a hardcore capitalist. I'm I'm black first, which means I'd rather specifically design an ideology that's uniquely uh, created to solve our specific problems. That that's that's how I think. So I'm not anti-capitalism. I'm anti-socialism. I just don't want to be in bed full time with either one. So so anyway. 
a guy from the socialist communist community here in Chicago calls me and tells me that they're having that. He says, Cornell West told me to reach out to you. I said, yeah, Cornell West is a quality individual. I love this man. Uh, what, what, what do you need? How can I help you? He said, well, he told me that you'd be a great person for us to work with on this rally. We want to have to support Mike Brown in the shooting. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. I'm, I'm there. So I go to the rally and then, and then, and, and you know, and, and we do the, do we do our thing and they're like, yeah, this is inappropriate. And the police, blah, blah, blah. and I, and I, I, you know, it's fine. Okay. So then I come to one of their meetings and then I start seeing where, I'm being given all this communist propaganda. I'm being given, you know, these communist newspapers and, and they're calling each other comrade. And, 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 you know, and I'm just like, okay, well, this is more than I signed. I didn't sign up for all this shit now, but whatever. I'm not offended. I just, you know, if I'm, I'm not offended. If you give me some, I'll just throw it in the trash. So I threw it in the trash and went home. Next thing I know, this dude is calling me and, and pressuring me to give all this money for these communist causes that had nothing to do with the original cause that brought me in in the first place. And, and I'm a, I'm a pretty polite guy on the phone. I think probably too nice sometimes, but this pissed me off. I was with my family trying to do something with my family. I'm like, man, you had me on the phone 30 minutes and you're trying to pressure me and bully me into giving you a bunch of money. I said, don't call me no more. Goodbye. Right. And, and that was my first engagement with how they will use something. They will use your trauma. They will use your suffering as a segue to basically get in your draws. That's what it is. They're no different from a dude who who said, you know, you got your baby. They're like, oh, that's a cute baby. And they're like, gag, gag, goo, goo. And he's really trying to have sex with you. Like, seriously, that's what they're, they're trying to basically get you pregnant with all these other things that you don't want. All their little ideological STDs. They're trying to infect you with their coronavirus by basically using what, what your vulnerability point is. Because black people are full of insecurities and vulnerabilities, full of windows of opportunity for others to infiltrate into that space to get you to take on the bigger package and to become part of their army. So so they, they, they might refer to this as some sort of partnership or integration where really it is an occupation. It is a different kind of colonization. I don't want to be colonized. I want to be independent. I want to be free. And I don't trust these people. I, they, they lie. They, 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 they'll steal. They'll kill. They'll do anything to support and promote their agenda. I want no, no parts of any of that. I don't want to be a part of that. I just want to build with my people and do something good before I'm old and dead. That's what I want to do. So count me out. So I told them to, to go to hell. Next, what else? This is our last two things on my list. Um, I don't believe that an eight-year-old should be allowed to decide to change their gender. I don't believe when Charlize Theron has two little black African boys she adopted and then says, these are my two daughters in this National Daughters Day, I literally wanted to go to her house and kick her in the nuts. Like, I, I literally was like, what is this shit? I don't understand any of this. So you mean both of the boys want to be girls? Both of them? And they're like seven? Should you be in jail for that? Like that, that, who, why people can do that? Like, I mean, I was floored by that. And so I'm not even, I'm not even in a position where I'm even allowed to necessarily give my full perspective or tell somebody what to do. But that shit don't seem normal to me. Where I come from, that's not normal behavior. There's no, no, there's no amount of liberty, freedom, and expression that, that fits with this idea that you adopt two black boys and then suddenly they're your daughters. They weren't daughters when they came to your house. Like that, 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 that just, that, this, that, that defies logic. I don't get that. So again, this is not me 
uh, attacking anyone. It's me saying, I don't understand that. I'm not down with that. I'm not going to vote for that. I don't want to participate in that. Uh, because where I come from, that that almost feels like a, a type of molestation. That almost feels like child abuse. But I'm not even going to go as far as necessarily saying all that. I'm just going to say I believe what I believe. You believe what you believe, and and and, and I'm not never going to I'm never going to sign the the papers that allow you to adopt any black child ever again. But but you'll probably never ask my opinion, and that's okay. Last piece is um, and this is big. I, I believe black people need to own more businesses so we don't have to work for white people anymore. So another reason I don't get along with the Democrats is because you always talk about jobs, 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 jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do need jobs. But I believe that the people who are creating the jobs, we need more black job creators so that black people have the option of working for other black people if they choose to go get a job. Um, I'm tired of this um, paternalism, uh, this paternalism that says we're not going to give you any money, but we're going to give ourselves more money so we can do things for you. Right. I don't need a middleman. When it comes to getting what I need, I don't I don't need a middleman for my resources. I'm not a child. Uh, now our, we have a 10 year old. And if somebody wanted to give money to the 10 year old, I would stand up and say, no, 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 no. Don't give it to her. Give it to me. And then I'll make sure that she gets what she needs. Right. I'll do that with a 10 year old. But I'm not going to do that with a grown ass man or grown ass woman. Right. You know, you, you know so so this idea that you're going to give yourself you're going to give other white people billions of dollars so they can create more jobs so they can hire black people and bring us into their whatever form of slavery they have at their particular corporation. I'm not a fan of any of that. That doesn't sit well with me. I'm not, that's not, no, I I don't. So, so that's not a core belief or an ideology I can relate to. And so therefore um, you can do what you want to do. I'm just not, I'm done with that. I'm not interested. I'm not supporting any of that. And so if you want to call me a Trump supporter, because I'm not voting democratic, that's fine. I can actually point to you why that logic is, is yet another form of slavery uh, that you're implying that my vote belongs to the Democrats. So if I take my vote away from the Democrats, I'm automatically supporting the Republicans. That right there is a form of very disturbing white supremacy because you're assuming as a black man that I'm owned by a white man and that when I free myself, that I'm somehow so giving support to another white man. When no, I'm, I, I, if I never gave my support to anybody, then no one's allowed to take my support for granted. That's a little piece. That's a very subtle piece of liberation talk, a little little piece of freedom ideology that a lot of people won't understand. They won't get that. Right. So I don't try to explain it to everybody. I just say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call me a Trump. Well, call me whatever you want. Um, If they want my vote, it is for sale. They can buy votes from black people. They just have to deliver true tangibles, true resources. If you can't deliver tangibles, if you can't deliver resources, if you can't even utter the word reparations, then that's okay. Don't get mad. We'll just we'll vote. Maybe we'll vote for you next time, right? Maybe next time we'll we'll get our booty to the polls because you you took your booty to the bank and you wrote a big ass check and to, to get our booties to the polls, right? Our booties are not free. So that that's that's just how I see it. I'm not telling anybody else what to believe, but that's just what it is. Uh, so do me a favor before we bounce out, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Also, feel free. Um, two things. One, you can text the word voice to 31996 if you want to get notifications when I go live. Uh, we're doing a lot of cool stuff with drvoicetv.com, and I hope you guys are getting value from all the things we're doing. We're doing a ton of stuff economically and otherwise. We are very solution-oriented. Our solutions are working. Uh, I believe that we played a big part in why all the rappers are now talking about ownership and economics and everything else. Like we're, we, I, I believe we're right in the middle of this, so I'm really excited about that. 
Also, if you haven't learned to buy stock yet in terms of tangible solutions that you can apply that's going to help your family, there's a URL you can go to. You get free information from the Black Business School, and also you can learn to buy your first share of stock for free by going to firstshareofstock.com. There's the URL right there, firstshareofstock.com. And uh, also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, there's my Instagram. It's The Real Voice Walking. So feel free to follow me on the gram if you want to. I'm losing a lot of friends because of this election. So, but it's great because when you lose the bad friends, you get a chance to make some new ones and some good ones. And uh, and so anybody who's offended by what I have to say, if you're in there and you're just mad because you feel like you feel differently, that's okay. You can unfriend me because every time someone, I have a waiting list that's this long of people that want to friend me on my Facebook page. So whenever somebody unfriends me, I'm actually quite happy because that way we can find a better match. My goal is not to relate to all people. All lives don't matter to me. I'm not an all lives matter kind of guy. So my goal is not to relate to all people. My goal is to relate to my people. So if you're not, if we're not the same people, then that's okay. You go relate to somebody else. I'm going to relate to my people because my goal is to mobilize and to strengthen the minds of the people who get what I'm saying so that we can go out here and we can kick ass. I want us to be more powerful than the Jewish community is right now. Like I want us, our little pocket of of, of black people to literally be so powerful, so well-informed, so intelligent, so strategic, so capable that when we step in the room, we will dominate any form of white supremacy because we got black excellence right there in the backpack. So uh, Beyonce carries hot sauce in her bag. I carry black excellence in my bag. So let's be excellent and let's believe in ourselves and let's not take any bullshit from anybody because you are meant to win. So go out here and win, black people. I love you. I'm out of here. I'm going to go spend time with my kids for Halloween. I got this cool mask where I dress as an old white man. I called him um, Hubert. Uh, Hubert P. Rothenstein III. And so I'm going to take a video of it. And I'll show you guys. I, I did one on my Instagram. I'll do another one a little bit later. So I'm about to go have some fun and I'll forget all the serious stuff. So I hope this helps you. Uh, have a good day, everybody. Love you. I'll see you soon. Take care. Peace.